0: In today's show, we're going to delve into contract year players. What does it mean? Does it mean anything for fantasy? Can we do anything with this information? We'll find out. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. At Locked On Fantasy Basketball, thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I said you can find me on Twitter. I said you can find me on Instagram. You can also find me on TikTok. Yeah, at RedRock_Bball over there as well. Um, who knows what sort of content there'll be there? There'll be definitely no dancing, guarantee you that. But some little short snippets. And if you are on TikTok, go follow me uh, over there. Boost those numbers up over on the old TikTok. All right. So contract here. It's one of those narratives that if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you've heard me push back on. It's one of those things that in the past, I have gone through and done analysis on, and it's shown to me that it doesn't really have an impact. But we're going to do it again, because it continually gets thrown around as something that we need to pay attention to when we're looking at fantasy. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So like all these other correlation and analysis shows that I've done, I went into it with an open mind, try to get the numbers out there and see what we come from. And you'll see what the end result ends up being with this with contract years. But it is something that I just want to mention. It's something that, like so many narratives, it gets brought up as and pick, picked and choosed, picked and chosen to suit whatever you want. Right? That's That's the general gist I have with these sort of narratives, your DFS revenge game or hometown narratives, or whatever it is, right? You get these sort of things. And people pick and choose whichever way they want to go. Now, I don't know the guy that said this to me, and I'm not trying to call him out, but it just goes to show what this, this, how this stuff can work or how you can twist it or how you can use it to your own advantage. And you'll even see with the numbers that I'm going to present today, like how things can be manipulated to make it fit how you want. But he was talking about Zion Williamson. He went, Zion, I think, is going to have a huge year this year because he's playing for $40 million. Went He just signed a $200 million contract, but now because there's a $40 million bonus over five years if he makes All-NBA, then the contract year narrative keeps persisting. But others would come out and say, well, Zion's got nothing to play for now. He's already secured the $190 million contract, so his production's going to drop off. So which one is it? If his production improves you'll have the argument to say, all right, here you go. Look, he was playing for the extra $40 That worked. If he doesn't play play as well as he did in his second season, then people will go, look, he got the bag, he secured the money, and he didn't try. Like, you've got both sides of the argument ready to pounce. And I think that understanding the fact that these narratives can be twisted and looked at in so many different ways, and even this analysis, I'm, I'm going to talk about the flaws in what I did here. Anyway, when looking at this, it really is something that my hypothesis going into this is that it doesn't mean anything and you shouldn't pay any attention to it in fantasy. And we'll see how the results come. And you can make your own uh, observation from how these results turn out. But what is a contract year? Well, it is the last season. In, in, in general parlance, it's the last season of a player's contract where they're becoming a free agent. And the theory is that they play harder so that they can get another contract, or they can earn more money on their next contract. That is the theory. That players in a contract year produce significantly more, though. So you should target those players in fantasy because they'll play through injuries more. They will produce more more numbers, and they'll be more valuable for fantasy. That you know, and people go, "Oh, the, the team will just play them. It's a contract year. Like they're, they're going to put up bigger numbers. It's a contract year." And my always um, rebuttal to that is, well, it's not. Yeah, uh, you know, if the player wants more money. The team doesn't have to play him that way. Like, if he gets better, he gets better. I looked at it three main ways here. There are three real major contract year scenarios. It's players becoming unrestricted free agents or having player options. It's players who are going to become restricted free agents. So fourth year players. So the guys like RJ Barrett, for example, that's for this coming season. Or it's players... Who are heading into their third season? Lamello Ball, Anthony Edwards, who they know at the end of this season they have the opportunity to sign those rookie max extensions like Zion, like Jar did last season. Extensions could be signed really at any point. Guys like Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. Yeah, if it's a Zubat somehow, these guys all signed contracts, extensions without becoming free agents. Um, so in a lot of the analysis that I did, I didn't include Towns, Booker, Zubats, Jokic because they weren't technically free agents. They weren't technically um, have player options. They just were able to sign a contract in the middle of their current contract. I didn't include Damian Lillard in that mix either. Yeah, they were they were just signing contracts in the middle of that contract. Now, I guess you could make an argument that anybody who is extension eligible at any point is playing for that next contract, that next extension. But I don't really think. I don't really think that that's um, I don't really think that's fair in terms of how we how we approach that. I, I, I don't think that's yeah I don't think that's the right way to um, to go about that. Really, um, I think the, the, the three main things we're looking at is unrestricted free agents or, or player options, restricted free agents, and players getting that rookie max extension. So players after their third season, uh, or, yeah, Jar Zion, those sort of guys who get that after their third year. So they're the the players that I looked at here. Now, there's going to be flaws in all this analysis, but I'm going to provide a few different things we look at. Because while I did include players like Jar, like Zion, that did get those rookie max extensions, those $190 million contracts, Keldon Johnson got a rookie extension as well. I didn't include the other side of that. All of the rookies going into their fourth season who didn't get an extension, who were theoretically playing for it, although they're not in contract years or they're not free agents now, they were playing for extension, but they haven't received one. RJ Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish. Like, if I included all of those guys, I'm not sure that it'd be too favorable. So... When looking at, at that, like that that is a flaw in this analysis. I also didn't include someone like a Zion Williamson, who didn't play in twenty twenty one, but did play in twenty one twenty two. Other way around, sorry, who played in twenty twenty one, but didn't play in twenty one twenty two. Because if we would use the drop from him from his second season into his contract season, well, it was as it was as big a drop as possible. And I, I didn't include that in the mix, but I could have. Because you could say that if he was so motivated by his contract year, that he would have got out there and played and produced at this high level and really put up big numbers in order to secure this extension. But it didn't happen. He didn't play. And if I could have included that, it would have been more adding towards the narrative or my reaction to the narrative narrative where it doesn't matter. And that's again, that's where I start this analysis, is looking at this and saying that it doesn't matter. I looked at it from a fantasy points perspective. It doesn't really matter if it was points or categories, but it's just easier to um, quantify using fantasy points from the 2020-2021 season versus the 2021-2022 season to look at fantasy point production there. Um, so that's that's basically what I did. I, I looked at all of those players who received new contracts this last offseason, and remove the veteran extensions from that list. So left with unrestricted free agents, restricted free agents, and uh, rookie extensions. In general, so much production comes from players or improvement comes from players going from first year to second year, second to third, third to to fourth. They are your biggest increase in production historically in the NBA. So players who are becoming restricted free agents or signed a new contract after being a restricted free agent, DeAndre Ayton, for example, or players like Ja Morant or Keldon Johnson who go from second to third year, in general, we expect these players to take significant leaps forward. So when I do the analysis on, on these on these numbers, <clears throat> I'll show you the analysis including that, but I'll also show the analysis not including those players. Those players, you know, who aren't restricted free agents or aren't rookie extension eligible, what the impact of a contract year has on those guys. So I think, or I hope, I've set the ground rules of what I'm looking at. And ideally, we want to see, does this matter for fantasy basketball? Does a player's contract status, does their pending unrestricted free agency or restricted free agency or anything like that matter for fantasy basketball? That's what we're going to get to. But Before we get to that, i got to tell you about Built Bar because Built Bar matters. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And they've got new ones, Built Bar Puffs. You're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys if you haven't tried it. And they've got a great new flavor, Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate like all of their bars. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. And it's healthy for you because they are only got 160 calories, but they're jam-packed with 15 grams of protein. Run to Built.com, snag a box for yourself and the family, and it'll be the perfect treat where you can find a really good hiding spot and not share them with anyone. That's that's a bit selfish. Come on. I don't think we should be doing that, Built. We don't feel like promoting that. Like all Built bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, so it's healthy and it is tasty, which is one of the main things you want, isn't it? You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff We either need a snack for your workout, a healthy treat, just something laying around. BuiltBar is going to get that to you. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. The code is locked 15 L-O-C-K-E-D one five. Go to built.com. BuiltBar is built different. Okay, so I think I described what contract years are and how it works, and the narrative. The general narrative is players perform better in a contract year. So let's look at it. Let's look at what happened last season. If I look at every player who signed a new contract this off-season, every player, excluding the the veteran extensions, which includes Lillard, Jokic, Towns, Booker, um, Zubats, and there's maybe one or two others in there. Um, some lower, who else? they're the guys. Including every player basing it from 2020-2021 to 21-22. 2021, there was a 25.8% mean increase in fantasy points that's a significant number isn't it that means that on uh, uh, what i looked at is how much not how much each player improved in their their actual points per game but how much of a percentage improvement each player had the average across the board was almost 26% and you look at that and go josh there you go you, you've you're disproven your contract year um, fallacy is disproven. It's real. If people are on average increasing 26%, I'll take that bet every day. And I wish I had this sound drop. Maybe I need to get it. The old Lee Corso, not so fast, my friends. Because that is misleading. And it's why it's important to look at numbers and look at stats from plenty of different angles to understand. Because the median number, which is a number you can use in statistical analysis if you don't, if you don't know what it is, to try and reduce the impact of outliers because it takes the middle the middle area rather than like the big big out and we're going to talk about the big outliers in a second the median increase was 3.5% and if an average player scores 20 fantasy points or 25 fantasy points 3% increase on that it's not very much is it one fantasy point if you if you're scoring 20 fantasy points and you go to 21 it's a 5% increase So a 3.5 is going from 20 to 20.7. It's nothing. It's so, so small. That's the median increase. And the difference there is so huge because there are significant outliers in this list. Anthony Simons had a 100% increase. He averaged 13 points and he went up to 26 fantasy points. And then context, why? Well, Lillard was out all season and McCullum missed a bunch of time. So he had extra opportunity. Is it because he was playing for a new contract, or because the two other guards ahead of him got injured? You can figure that one out for yourself. There was Sticks, Jalen Smith. Stand by your man. He had an increase of three hundred and sixty-three percent. He went from averaging four fantasy points to twenty fantasy points. Why? How did that happen? Was it because he was playing harder or because he got traded to a team that was tanking and gave him minutes? Went from one of the best teams in the league to one of the worst teams in the league. You know the answer, yeah? They're the two biggest imp- improvements. You got someone like Amir Coffee who jumped up 208-7% in a contract year. He went from five points to 17 points. Was it maybe because Paul George played 30 games, Kawhi Leonard played zero games? Coffey did improve, but would he have gotten anywhere near that level of playing time and production without those guys? Or with those guys there? I don't know. Gary Payton, well, he's an interesting one. He went from 6 points to 17 points. That one, is it contract year or is it just new environment? That's 180% increase. You could make an argument that, yeah, he, he definitely showed improvement, but was it wasn't because he was in a contract year? Because Gary Payton's been in a contract year every year for the last six years. He's been signing one-year deals, minimum deals, camp deals. But if you're going to use him in your argument, like you're saying, well, only now it kicked in that he needed to make that, make that impact. The other years when he was fighting for contracts, he didn't actually care, but this year he did. This year is what made a difference. And I find that absolute garbage, right? It's again, it's, you can cherry picking it. Look, Gary Payton, man, contract here, big numbers. Yeah. What about the year before or the year before or the year before or the year before or the year before? In fact, the year before where none of that happened, right? So these, all these, all these things are interesting. They're big numbers. And even like someone like Theo Pinson, who had an 11,000, sorry, 1,100, 1100% increase. He went from 0.5 to 6. And that overall average number is included in that analysis of a 26% increase. But again, when you remove the outliers and look at your median, it's not actually that 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 big, is it? We're going to break down more of this in a second. But like, if you just saw that number of 26% mean increase in fantasy points, You'd be like, I'm targeting all contract year players. But when you take out the outliers, the Jalen Smiths and Simons and Peytons and Pinsons and these guys, and you look at median numbers, it's not actually, it's it's not actually that big of a deal. Like even at, at the we'll talk about the guys who, who took big steps forward. At the, like at the top, Jamarant played for that rookie extension, allegedly. He jumped up 30% in his production. Big, big jump. Darius Garland. Played for that rookie extension. He jumped up 28%. But did he play for the rookie extension or was he just in his third year and got better at the game of basketball as basically all players have done for the history of time? Like These are guys that are boosting that number up. Ricky Rubio jumped up 21%. Was that a contract year thing or is it a situation thing? Andre Drummond was in a contract year. He dropped 29%. Was it a contract year thing? Was it an anti-contract year thing? Was it a situation thing? I think the answer for a lot of these is either natural progression or it's situation. Let's go to some more of this info. I find it really interesting doing this analysis. And in the end, we'll see what my conclusion is. And you can tell me what your conclusion is as well. So we looked at all those players. And I thought, okay, that, that's fine. But we get some outliers. We get some guys that don't really matter for you know 80% of fantasy leagues. So what I wanted to do is look at the top 200 players. The top 200 players. And there are two ways of looking at this. I can look at the top 200 players from 2020-2021. So as we were heading into drafts last season, if we had looked through the top 200 players from the previous year and then looked at who was in a contract year, who was in line for a new deal, how would we have gone targeting those players? And I can also look back at 2021-2022 and look at how last season finished in terms of the top 200 players and then look at which of those guys we were playing for the contract that took big steps forward. And interestingly, you'll find the results are wildly different. Same data set, same players, same production from the same two seasons, but when you take different samples, things change considerably. So let's look at the 2020-2021 top 200 players in fantasy and what happened. Well, if we were heading into draft season for last season, and we were looking at that list from the year before at the top 200 guys which is a fair way to look at things i think you know top 150 guys get drafted in most leagues you've got 50 extra waiver wire guys let's look at the top 5 uh, the top 200 if i include all of those players excluding the veteran extensions across all of those top 200 guys from the 2020 2021 top 200 they actually decreased almost 8% in fantasy points okay If I take out the players who were playing or who got the rookie extensions, Garland, Morant, those sort of players, Keldrin Johnson, these players from the top 200 from the previous season actually suffered an 11.6% decrease in fantasy production if I look at all the players who got rookie extensions plus the restricted free agents, so taking out third and fourth year players, basically, this doesn't include someone like Jalen Brunson, who was one of the big gainers, but he didn't fall into my filter of restricted free agents or rookie extensions because he was a second round pick and became unrestricted. So I could have taken him out as well, who suffered that or or got through that natural progression as a third year player. But if I take out rookie extensions and restricted free agents, there was a 14%, actually 13.8% decrease in fantasy points. So if you had have looked at the top 200 from the previous season, on average, and I did do the median for these ones as well, and they were about the same. They were, they were very, like, I didn't want to go through and put them all up and confuse people too much because it wasn't like the 25 versus 3. It was like 8 versus 9 or 11 versus 12%. They were pretty similar median versus mean. But without rookie extensions and restricted free agents, 13.8% decrease. Decrease in production. Why? Like, who dropped off? James Harden, free agent. Bradley Beal, free agent. Zach Levine, free agent. Andre Drummond, free agent. Victor Oladipo, free agent. All of those guys suffered decreases in their fantasy production. Nurkic went up. Boucher went down. Kyle Anderson went down. Thaddeus Young went down. De'Lon Wright went down. Tom Bryant went down. Serge Ibaka went down. Joe Ingles went down. Goran Dragic went down. De'Andre Jordan went down. These are all top 200 players. Most of them dropped way off. Way off. Um, yeah, big, big changes. Um, and then, if we go to have a look, okay, so that, that, that's that's that, right? In terms of the guys that jumped up, I should have mentioned, Mitchell Robinson had a jump up. Um, uh, who else had, had one out of that top 200? Ricky Rubio had that jump up. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic had that jump up. But in general, uh, yeah, Jalen Brunson, 30% up. Bruce Brown, 8% up. Otto Porter, 4% up. You got someone like Mo Bamba, who was 290 before he jumped up 39%. Right. So, but if we just look at that top 200 figure, on average, these guys dropped a lot. Like, it's still not much because out of 20 or 25 fantasy points, if you lose 12%, 13%, you're losing what? I don't know, what? Th- three points? It's not gigantic, but it's definitely not an increase. But then the interesting thing is if you go and look at how last season finished, 2021, 2022, and look at the top 200 there. So, we're looking at how last season finished. Again, was there any difference? Well, yeah, there was a significant difference. And this is, again, why it's important to have a look at how all of this, or how we're examining this. Because if we include all of the players that finished in the top 200, excluding veteran extensions, there was a 12.5% increase on average in fantasy points. Because some of the guys... Like Anthony Simons, yeah, take this big step. Who weren't you? Wouldn't wouldn't consider them top two hundred guys, or well, they weren't the year before. They weren't draftable players, but they took gigantic steps forward. So in the end of it, in the end of it, they end up as top two hundred players. So, what does this mean? Like, does it mean that we should look at players outside the top two hundred from this season who are um, heading into what it, whatever you call it. Um, Restricted free agency or free agency and target those guys? Maybe. If you take out rookie extensions, it was 11.2% increase. And if you take out rookie extensions and restricted free agents, which includes someone like Simons, it was a 6.6% increase, which is about, again, like a couple of fantasy points. It's not much. It's a 6.6% increase on average. Again, if you take away the younger players. The restricted free agents, the third-year guys, you take them away. The unrestricted guys who finish in the top 200, we saw an increase. And that includes Portis, Rubio, um, Brunson, Monk, Caldwell Pope, Frank the Tank Kaminsky is in there. Isaiah Hartenstein, 52% increase. You're really bumping the numbers up there. Kevon Looney, 38% increase. JaVale McGee, 14% increase. Like They're the guys who bump that number up, but... What, again, what I did is I looked at everyone's production. Like James Harden went from 52 fantasy points to 48 fantasy points. There was a minus 8.5% change. And then I just averaged all the percentage change. Beal dropped 12.9%. Levine dropped 9.7%. And then average those percentages. And that's how we get this 12.5, 11.2, 6.6% increase. I average them all out. But, and this is where it's super important as well. If I convert all of those percentages... To fantasy points. How many fantasy points did the players gain or lose? The raw fantasy point change from the top 200. Well, they actually went down negative 0.7 points. And I think, I'm going to say that's a great place to leave it because I'm not leaving it just yet. But I think in the end, much like talking about the correlation with injuries year to year, that's just a great point to leave it where it just didn't do anything. In general, it either went up, It went down, it stayed the same, it's all over the place. And you don't have any real set correlation where you can go in and go, this guy is in a contract year, therefore he's a draft target. Because you might get them to go up, they might go down, much like any player in the NBA. That is how I view, that. again, maybe I am biased and there's the cognitive issue of me having this opinion. And my opinion was based on me doing research on this in 2013, 14, and 15, and the same result coming out. You can pick and choose certain players. And I tried to present different areas of this, including the young guys, not including them, and in seeing how all that played out, looking at percentage change, looking at raw fantasy points totals. And you can pick and choose numbers. You can say a 26% increase across all players who got new contracts. That's great. Yeah, That's a median 3%. Or if you look at the top 200 for from the previous year, if you're targeting those top 200 guys, you would have lost out significantly. Or if you looked at the top 200 finish, that, that's great. The average increase was huge, but the fantasy point change was nothing. Like So it, it's the higher volume guys, all of the top-end players, it seems, who were unrestricted free agents or had player options, dropped. They lost value. So what's the takeaway from this? The takeaway from this for me... Actually, you know what? I'll get to that in a second because I just want to point out some highs and lows out of this group. The guys who suffered the biggest increases, Kaminsky, 47% increase. Hartenstein, 52%. Looney, 38%. But are they really impacting fantasy leagues that much? Not really. The biggest drops, Drummond, 29%. Oladipo, 40%. Boucher, 29%. The only guy out of those six who had the biggest changes up or down who was really drafted was probably Boucher. They're the biggest change guys. So my takeaway from this is, is that you can pick and choose whatever narrative you want to believe. You want to talk yourself into a player putting up more production because he's playing for a contract? Sure. It requires a level of cognitive dissonance. I hope I'm using that term correctly. To then say, well, he'll do it, but the ones who don't do it, well, that's not that. They just didn't have the heart or the desire or they didn't need the money or whatever nonsense you want to come up with. But when we look at all of this data, again, NBA players, we expect first to second year improvement, second to third year improvement, third to fourth year improvement. And I don't think that's contract related necessarily. It might be, but in general, that's just how you expect players to improve. And even when you include those numbers, it doesn't always give the rosiest picture. It doesn't always give us that ability to look at that and go, well, they're playing for a new contract. Therefore, we target them. I don't even think the data presented here... you Again, absolutely disagree. Drop it in the comments below. Whatever you want to do, right? Drop what you think down below. I don't even think it's good enough to use as a tiebreaker. I just don't think it means anything, to be honest. As much as we love to... It's either we put ourselves in that position. And go well. If I was playing for this big contract, I'd play super hard. Which you might say is a positive. I also think it's a negative. That means if you're not playing for a contract, you're not trying. And... That's pretty insulting. I, I just don't think. I don't think it's. I just don't think it's the case. Hassan Whiteside was an unrestricted free agent coming up this season. He played okay. Didn't even get a new contract yet. Like there are so many different options, or so many different examples that you can cherry pick for either side of the argument. That when there are so many different things, and there is no actual straight correlation where it's easily identified. That I don't think you can rely upon it. I don't think you can use it as a tiebreaker. If anything, what I would look at here is that players going from year two to year three, going from year three to year four, that's where I give the tiebreaker. Not because of contract status, but because those ghosts generally improve. But so much of fantasy, as we did when we did the statistical correlations, especially points leagues, minutes, usage, usage for points leagues, not for category leagues. If your player is looking to get an increase in minutes or looking to get an increase in use, usage based on team fit, then their value is going to rise. For example, Trey Jones, Devin Vassell in the Spurs this season, Dejounte Murray's gone. These guys are going to have bigger roles. And they're both going to be eligible for new contracts this next offseason. So when we if we do this analysis next year and they jump up and Trey Jones, let's say he averaged 10 fantasy points of the year before and he averages 25 was that contract year or was it they traded DeJounte Murray? When Devin Vassell becomes a top 70 player, is that contract year or is he playing for a rookie extension or is it because Derek White and DeMar DeRozan and DeJounte Murray have all left over the last two years? Like which one's more important there? Context, not context, context, situation is way more important than fake motivation for extra money. These players play hard when yeah, as a general rule, as a general, rule, they play hard for success for their own, yes, for everything that comes in. But it's not just about well, you had this great one season when you were going to be your own restricted free agent. Therefore, we'll give you everything. It does happen at times for sure, but there are plenty of examples of these players who are playing for contracts. Shout out Bradley Beal, Zach Levine. Was Levine's contract ear related that he dropped off or was it knee injury related? Or is there just a million context things that are related to everything? That's how I tend to look at it. But I'm happy for you guys to take whatever information you want out of this data. Do your own research on it as well, if you like, and see how you can man- you manipulate numbers or, or yeah, you shouldn't have included this, Josh. That's fine. It's really hard to get a full set of, um, you know, get it a perfect data set and perfect methodology. I think I did okay and I presented enough different angles with it, but let me know. Tweet it at me or drop it in the comments below. And of course, after you've listened to this, go check out Locked On NBA. 30 minutes every day on the NBA. Still waiting for more big news to go down. Hopefully we get something happening in the next few days and I can really finalize the projections. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the order set here on YouTube. You know what to do. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Going to be expansion draft stuff coming in the next couple of days. Stay tuned for that. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.